You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Nathaniel Escobar from Washington State. Welcome to Real Faith Stories, man. So good to have you on the program today. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate being here. I'm excited. I am too. I would love for you to share your backstory, and then we're going to dig into some pretty amazing steps of faith you took to trust the Lord in different ways for His provision, which I think is really going to resonate with a lot of listeners. So please share about yourself, and let's uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I am uh, 29 years old, and like you said, I live in, in Washington, up here in the Pacific Northwest, in Vancouver, Washington, specifically. Currently, I'm a campus pastor at the Promise Church up here in Woodland, Washington. And growing up, I came from a, a family of pastors and preachers. My my dad was actually from Guatemala, and he migrated over here when he was about 18 and attended a Bible college out in Texas as well. And so I come from a, a lineage of pastors and preachers. My grandpa also was saved in Guatemala and was actually a street preacher out there. Wow. My dad was an evangelist growing up. So my family did a lot of traveling. My dad also planted a lot of churches. So we went through seasons where we would visit churches every Sunday. And there were seasons where he had his own churches and we would obviously attend his church. I preached my first message when I was 14 years old maybe 13 actually. And I started to preach very young. My dad was a well-known evangelist out and this was in in the state of Arizona and uh, he would travel quite quite a bit. And so he was his evangelist. Then I, him being his son, was kind of the little kid evangelist. So growing up, I would go and preach to young kids and then became teenagers and then young adults and to where I'm at today. Getting a job right out of high school, being an estimator for a landscaping company called Law Maintenance Pros out there in Arizona. And it worked for May up all the way to managing the company. When you got into management, what kind of challenges did you face at that kind of young age? Oh, it was it was actually pretty difficult. Most of the the people I interacted with were forties and fifties. And yeah. When I started managing, I think I was in my early twenties, like exactly twenty actually. <laughs> so it was pretty <laughs> difficult getting the respect. And these were not men from like church. These were men who were had a very worldly mindset about leadership did not respect me at first for sure mm-hmm. it was uh it was a little difficult at first but you know i had grown up since my dad was an evangelist being around adults so i think that really helped me out with understanding of learning how to respect people so i was always very respectful with them and to be honest they they respected me a lot i, I think i earned that from the cruise when they saw how i dealt with conflict that was really when i earned their respect i'd like to seize on that for just a moment the whole idea of how you dealt with conflict, what was it that they saw that separated you from the way they probably would personally deal with conflict? What's your thought on that? I think the first thing uh, was humility. I, I definitely never shied away from admitting whenever I made a mistake and was really res- respectful to customers that, from a worldly perspective, definitely didn't deserve respect. I had people shouting in my face and people using racial slurs like in front of me about my crew to me and they saw me keep my cool in a lot of really heated conversations and they literally saw me really representing christ in the hardest times where 
you're being squeezed by the world and what's going to come out of you is your anger going to come out of you or are you going to be sarcastic or are you actually going to represent christ and yes be humble and keep your cool which is something a lot of people really don't know how they're going to react until they're in that position true so i, I really think that they saw the humility that i had but also the self-confidence that i had to, to speak and really not not allow people to walk over us or I wasn't afraid to confront things, which I think sometimes people mistake unhealthy confrontation with healthy confrontation. And uh, sometimes people will try to avoid confrontation in general, but that's not something that I did. And I learned pretty young how dealing with confrontation, actually facing it head on is actually the healthiest thing to do. And so I, they would see me have these conversations with customers where customers would blatantly lie. Yeah. And so I would have to kind of call them out on it or the customers trying to haggle down prices and me having to say no. And I grew up in the environment of people sometimes trying to be disrespectful in the way of saying like, listen here, young man, or yeah. things they'll say things kind of like that to me. And, uh, you know, my, my crew saw me deal with a, a lot of confrontation and a lot of conflict. And I believe that it was my humility and the way I responded and the way I did not avoid those moments of confrontation mm -hmm. that really made them respect me. And it took a little bit of time. What was the thought that would come into your mind when somebody came at you with eyes blazing and mouth screaming? Oh man, this is going to sound simple. The best thing to do that I found in that situation is to actually think to think and not react, you know, mm -hmm. like I think sometimes when we react, it, it is without thought. So just pause, right? Just pause. Exactly. Yeah. Take a moment to really breathe. And normally in most cases, when you're walking into moments of confrontation, you see it coming, you know, you see it in the person's face. A lot of the times, you know, exactly the conversation you're going to have. And honestly, a lot of the times when I was driving up to houses, knowing that we, I was going to be confronted, I prayed in my truck before I walked out. I prayed in my truck and I just believed that the Lord was going to lead me and guide me. And, and he did. And he did. Yeah, that's the thing. It's I had to give myself a moment to listen, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and give myself a moment to to actually process my thoughts, especially when, you know, you have a person who is coming at you very aggressively. They come at you from a perspective of trying to provoke you to react. Yes. And when you don't give them the ability to force you to react, you actually take control of the situation rather than being at a place of defense the whole time. Yeah. They've already shot all the bullets in their gun and they have nothing else to mm. shoot you with, so to speak. Right. You've already, <laughs> yeah. Cause now you're in mm -hmm. control. I love it. Let's pivot now to an experience you had where you moved out of that job into what? Into going back to school. So tell us about that. So at this point, I had been you know, leading this company for about eight years. I kind of had learned, really learned the business like the back of my hand. And it was just totally second nature to me, even with dealing with conflict and coming up with quotes and dealing with hirees. And it, it was very easy job. Yeah. A good paying job. I got paid a salary as well as commission by how many people signed up for our company. We were the biggest, fastest growing company, landscaping company in Queen Creek, Arizona. And so I really took pride in, in my job. Your shift from seeing something as just the way you get money to an actual career. And so I had been in that mentality for a long time. And not only was I in that mentality, but even at that point, I had been preaching quite a bit, kind of taking on the mantle that my father had passed down in the sense of preaching at different churches, youth conferences, youth camps, 
and while at the same time helping lead a young adult ministry out in in Arizona, we began to partner with the Assemblies of God, who were interested in that time in growing the young adult ministry in Arizona. And they had attended our our young adult service, and we had an extremely large group for young adults. So we were beginning to partner with them, strategize with them about how we can grow just the whole community of young adults within Arizona under the Assemblies of God. So there was kind of a lot going on at that point. And I was fairly happy with where I was. I definitely wasn't seeing a shift coming in my life at any point. As some would would look at it from the outside, they would say, hey, you made it. You have a career, you're preaching, you know, you're being invited to preach. You're also building a ministry. And God kind of just came crashing in. I attended this uh, conference called uh, Power and Love out in Anaheim, California. And while I was attending that that conference, they had been speaking about the school that was going to start underneath the ministry of Todd White called Lifestyle Christianity University and had not started yet was in the process going to start within the next couple of months. And I heard about it. And Brian, to be honest, I kind of laughed to myself when I first heard about it. You laughed to yourself? I did, you know, because in my mind, I was thinking, you know, of course, here we go, another ministry school, which is kind of like the thing to do right now. And so I went home and not, it wasn't on my mind at all. It, I was not consider even considering it, especially when I was in California. But when I, as soon as I got home, I heard the Lord speak to me and, and he spoke very clearly, Hey, you're going to attend Lifestyle Christianity University. You're going to move to Texas, which is where the school was. Isn't that just like the Lord to go innocently to a conference? You hear about this school, you kind of chuckle to yourself and you get home and then you hear the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and say, by the way, dude, you're going to this. Oh, yes. It's pretty <laughs> humbling. especially after you 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 know i had turned to one of my friends and we laughed about it even better (laughs) (laughs) right so what happened when you got home how did you process that what was going on oh man i think my first instinct was absolutely this is not the lord you know absolutely not you know but it was so on my heart that i was like lord well if this is you you know i'm gonna need confirmation from this and Mm -hmm. um, i started to see texas license plates everywhere in arizona um, everywhere. Just started to see Texas, Texas this, Texas that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, like I'm just thinking about it mentally. So that's why I'm seeing this everywhere. Right. You know, just literally started to just ignore some of the signs and then ended up having a dream one night and about going to Texas and was woken up with almost a shocking, almost a yelling sensation of hearing the Lord say, go. Wow. And when I had that dream, I thought to myself, okay, like this is, this is the Lord and I can't deny it anymore. So that was the moment that I decided that this was going to happen. And the school was going to start in two months on moving across the country really, and dropping my business and the ministry opportunities that I had it was a big deal. Yeah. So you've got this eight years with this landscaping company, you're running it. It's like muscle memory. You're not even hardly having to think anymore. Right. Right. You're preaching. You've got all this stuff locked and loaded. And then all of a sudden there's this 90 degree turn. It just hits. And so you've got two weeks to figure out what the heck you're going to do. What happened? You know, my first instinct is is to feel the weight of the decision that God was calling me to do, Mm -hmm. because, you know, that comes with every decision that God's called us to. There's there's always weight. There's always a cross Mm -hmm. to carry. And Jesus is very clear with it. He said, count the cost if you want to follow me. And so I did begin to count the cost and had a night of prayer with the Lord. And 
I remembered that my devotion wasn't to my job, nor was my devotion to my ministry, but my devotion was to him. And my life is not my own. It belongs to him. So in reality, he could tell me to go wherever he wants me to go. And I have to just say yes to him because he's either, he's not just my savior, but he's my king. He's my Lord. Let me pause on that point you just made that, you know, I'm not my own. I belong to him. And I'm going to put this in air quotes. That sounds really good when we're saying it to other people, but when the rubber meets the road and you've got to make this kind of decision, how does somebody internalize that to the point where they say, you know what, this is actually truth and I need to be willing to release my grip from the things I have in my hand right now. How did that happen for you? Honestly, it was one of those things where I kind of thought to myself, am I following the Lord or am I not? So you had to have a real serious conversation with yourself. Right. You know, it's and it's a very black and white moment, to be honest. And I, I feel like a lot of people like to stick themselves in, in the grave, especially when it comes to decisions like this because of the free will that God's given us. And and they actually choose to hold themselves back without realizing and trusting the Lord when it comes to making decisions like this. Mm. And, you know, it's it's a big deal because when Jesus becomes your Lord, you say yes to him and no to everybody else. And sometimes the Lord asks you to do things that look foolish. And especially to the processes of the world, even to the processes of the church, it looks like foolishness. And that's one of the things that you really have to count the cost in. Are you willing to look like a fool for the Lord? You know, and most people hear that statement and think of evangelism or they think of praying for somebody on the street or moving in some type of prophetic word. But sometimes it's an action like this where it just looks like foolishness. It looks like un looks unwise. Yeah. And that, which is what happened. I did what you should do, which is go seek godly counsel. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going and I'm, I'm talking to mentors and I'm talking to people that I just have influence in my life. And everyone told me not to do it. It was a little overwhelming, you know, even a little confusing. No doubt. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, so I, I'm talking to these mentors and they're breaking up really good points. Even they're saying, Hey, the school hasn't started yet. Give it a year to work itself out and then go and join. They were, they said things like, Hey, you're starting to preach a lot more for youth camps and in youth conferences and, and ministries are invited you to come speak. Give yourself a year to think about it and just continue to do what God's doing. Our connection with the assemblies of God, someone had told me, Hey, like you're about to, you're about to blow up. You know, if you're already preaching at conferences and the assemblies of God is about to ask you to on their team, this is your opportunity. Oh yeah. You could be the golden boy. Yeah, exactly. And it was one of those things where people had said, Hey, they came to you. You know, you have all the leverage. People even were talking to me about, about my business. I had my bosses who at that point had already moved out of the day-to-day -day functions of, of the company because I was taking care of it. They offered me more money and they wanted to buy me a car to keep me from leaving. But you couldn't shake that knowing that you were supposed to go, could you? I could not. It's one of those things where, you know, when, when us being disciples of Christ, when he speaks to us, we, we really know that it's him. Mm -hmm. And it, it is really hard to deny the fact that he speaks to us, especially in a situation like this, where it's very directional. You know, Brian, no one was on my side. It was very difficult. You know, I, there was even a point where I questioned, is this from the Lord? So you follow good godly counsel. You go talk to counselors. The business is trying to keep you, etc. What was the moment where you said, you know what, I appreciate and love this council, love these people, but I have got 
to do what I know in my heart I've got to do. What was that like? Yeah. So it was, it actually came through a conversation I was having with my father. Mm. And um, this is the importance of being a good father. And I, I appreciated him for this because more so than the success of my life, he wanted me to follow the Lord. Like he had that heart, which is what led to this conversation. So I'm telling him, really, I'm venting to him about how what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling him about the good and the bad and how some people are for it. Some people are against it. And I speak for a really, a really long time as he's just listening. And it's in the morning. We're eating breakfast. He's kind of looking down, eating his eggs. And he all he says is, well, if God told you to do it, then you should probably do it. And as soon as he said that, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like, wow, you're right. If, if God told me to do this, then I just need to obey. So he pushed me to this place of simple obedience that was not overthought, mm-hmm. that was not, it, it removed stress. And it, it brought me to a place of honesty of childlike, a childlike mentality where it made me think, okay, well, if God told me to do it, then I should probably just do it. When you finally accepted that in your heart, did you feel the sense of freedom? I did. It brought a lot of peace to me. Um, you know, I, honestly, and it, it wasn't just accepting, it was surrender. It was the moment that I, I actually surrendered to the will of God and said, okay, Lord, like my life it really isn't my own and I'm not living for money. I'm not even living for influence. I'm actually living to be obedient to you. And that was what brought freedom. It was actually the lack of surrender that brought confusion. And that brought um, so much turmoil. That is a huge point, what you just spoke, that oftentimes the confusion we feel is because we're pushing against what God's really telling us to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, And it's amazing how, how much freedom that we would have if we actually just really surrendered to the Lord and how much confusion would leave if we actually just listened and obeyed in a childlike way. And it, it brought me a lot of freedom and instant clarity, confusion instantly leaving, really when I just said yes to him and surrendered completely to him. Love it. So you surrendered. Were you still about two weeks out or a little less before school started? I was about a month out at this point. So this whole process had been, I would say, about a month long. And so I had to make the move quick. I needed to find a place to live and needed to get a job and needed to pay for the first year of tuition. And so I, I went to work instantly and ended up draining out savings and uh, using all the money I had to to move across the country and find a place to live and pay for the first year of school. And literally got down to the last $25 in my bank account. Actually, I think it was around $40 in my bank account. And I, I remember when you surrender to the Lord, God really does direct your steps and he brings a lot of favor. So when I had first got, literally, I think it was within the first week of being in Texas, the first couple of days, I saw this restaurant that I actually had worked at the same company as my first job, which was called Carabas. So I went in there and I, I just thought to myself, oh, how cool would it be for me to get a restaurant job while I'm in school? It's flexible, it's easy, quick money should be great. Walk in there, ask them if they're hiring. They are, sat down, talked to a manager ended up getting an interview the next day and getting hired that day. It was awesome. At that point, you only had $40? Yes. At that point, I only had $40. And it it takes a hit to your manhood. When you're leading a company, you're making this great, great money to reversing what you feel sometimes is going backwards, going back to school, getting to this place financially that I hadn't been really since I started to work. 
And then at the same time, working at a restaurant as a server, I'm at Walmart getting ready to buy my uniform for Caravas that I just got hired at and had exactly the right amount of money that I needed for my uniform. You know, was able to buy my non-slip shoes, uh, a nice belt, a black slacks, the black required button up shirt from them and ended up having nothing left. And I walked out of Walmart with literally zero in my bank account. And it, it was it was interesting, Ryan. I at that point I had seen just the favor of God, even though it was I had no money, literally had no money. I had walked out of that Walmart actually being very excited that I just had enough <laughs> and was beginning to rejoice and just thank God that I had enough for what I needed. And so I'm rejoicing him and I'm thanking him. And it began this first step of what I would see being the lifestyle that I now live of supernatural favor. I had a friend call me and say, Hey, my mom wants, she felt in her heart that she wanted to send you a hundred dollars. So here's a hundred bucks. And they then motored me a hundred dollars literally in that exact moment. So you're outside Walmart, you're down to zero in your bank account. You're feeling really good about the fact that you had enough to buy this, but now you have no money. And then at that moment, is that when it happened? And that exact moment, Wow. The the exact moment, I'm sure I looked like a crazy person. I had my the bag in my hand of my stuff. And yeah. I literally just began to kind of like hop around like, oh man, like I had just enough. And like, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm, you know, just thanking the Lord, literally just praising him and tuning everyone else out and just jumping up and down that I had enough. And then that phone call happened instantly. And then which that just brought me to tears. And no doubt. It was really the beginning of God just showing me his supernatural uh, favor in that way. You get a hundred bucks from your friend's mother who felt the Lord tell her to call to call you and give you that money in that moment. And mm-hmm. and so what happened next? So that hundred dollars ended up lasting me until I got paid for the first time from Carabas. I began to go to school and work at the restaurant. So go to school during the day. Restaurants obviously are open at night times. We work on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So I began this busy lifestyle of working in the nights and going to school in the mornings. And it was really tough. I still very much did not have what I had prior in terms of finances and never lacked exactly what I needed, but never had everything that I wanted and um, was working a lot. There was nights I would come home from work, sit down on my couch in my apartment and fall asleep and then wake up in the, in the morning. It's still in my work clothes and needing to go to school. It was a a beautiful season of learning to trust God. And obviously the Lord pushed me into this new level of knowing him personally and trusting him to be my provider. So as I walked the season, I feel like that was the biggest lesson that the Lord wanted me to see was was that he was my provider. And Mm-hmm. I wasn't my provider for such a long time, especially right out of high school. I had made such good money that I never had to depend on the Lord for anything because I provided for it, or at least that's what I had seen at that point. And God was really beginning to teach me that he was the provider. So I learned this this lesson again when the second semester of school began, or excuse me, the second year of school, and uh, I didn't have any way to pay for it. So I'm sitting at the school on the last day of the first year. So I, I was really hurting and I, I saw looking forward, I saw there's no way I could pay for this year of school. Yeah. And I had been in conversations with my parents who really wanted to to help me out. And my parents are not wealthy by any means. And they were gonna take out a loan to pay for my second year of school. And I, I really did not want them to do that. I, I knew that 
it wouldn't be the best financial decision for them. So I'm, I'm sitting in school the last day of the, of the semester and I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, like, like I, I really need you. I need your help. And I began to, to basically remind the Lord or even remind myself about his promises and say, God, like you called me out here and I know this is for a reason. I know this is for a purpose. And as I'm beginning to pray this prayer, uh, there was a girl who I kind of knew, but, but didn't really know personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came up to me and said, Hey, like God just put on my heart right now to pay for your whole next year of school. And so it was completely paid for literally in the moment that I began to cry out to the Lord and, and ask him for help. Wow. It was an- another just amazing moment of seeing the provision of God. And so I call my mom and I tell her what just happened. And she begins to cry because they were going to take out a loan anyways. They weren't going to care about what I said. And so she begins to cry on the phone. I begin to cry and we just begin to really like thank God together. How awesome. What a moment. So your next year gets paid. You make it through that year. It's a two-year program, correct? Yeah. Well, it's actually a three-year program. Okay. So yes, it's three years total. So I, I begin to actually pay for the school through my work. So I just continued to work and, and I started to work doubles on the weekends. I have that mentality of, of always working. So was actually able to pay supernaturally, really, for the rest of my schooling through just serving at a restaurant. And God taught me a lot about continuing to steward what he's given me. One thing that he spoke to me about was generosity during that time period was how I had given to ministries consistently that whole time, even when I didn't have money. Mm. Um, and the Lord was really specific with me about letting me know that that was actually the time that I needed to be more generous and that he would provide for me through that generosity. And so supernaturally, I was able to pay for the next year of school just by serving at a restaurant. So natural is our tendency to pull back when things are really thin financially, but the Lord gave you the opposite message, didn't he? He did. It's amazing to me because it's one thing to be broke. It's another thing to be broke and everyone knows you're broke, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I was at that point where Mm -hmm. I was broke and everyone knew I was broke. So I had, I had friends who are really good financially and the Lord would put on people's hearts to give me money. And so that had happened to me quite a bit during that time period as well. You weren't wearing a placard that said, I need money. Yeah, I was not. (laughs) (laughs) No GoFundMes, no Facebook posts, none of that stuff. At the end of your experience with school, something else happened where the Lord called you out of Texas to Washington, but then he told you to just stop working and he'd take care of you. Can you share some of that? Yeah. So I I had been working at the restaurant and then COVID hit and obviously- the worst business to be in during COVID is a restaurant business. Yeah. So I try to stick it out. And at that point, I think we had been coming up to Mother's Day. I think we were about a month into COVID when it first start and started. And Mother's Day, for those who work in restaurants know, it's the busiest day of the year. Mm. You know, you easily walk away with five or six hundred dollars for four or five hours of work. And I worked all day and walked away with eighty nine dollars. Whoa. And I was like, okay, that's terrible. And at that point, the way the school worked was you you did two and a half years of schooling and then a six-month internship. And so I had gotten my internship to come out to where I'm at today, which is in Woodland, Washington at the Promise Church. And so I knew I could not afford to try to live this way and provide for that next move, especially because I wanted to go home and see my family who I hadn't seen in 
couple years. So I wanted to go home to Arizona before I went to Washington. Ended up getting a job at Amazon, which obviously flourished during the times of COVID and worked there. And Amazon, for those who have worked at Amazon, it's very brutal hours. You do 10 hour days and it's all physical labor. And so my job was to move totes around the Amazon factory, which are these bins that the merchandise is traveled in throughout throughout the, the warehouse. Uh-huh. And so I, I did that. I worked as much as I could and it was great. The Lord provided me the finances to be able to make that move. And not just that, but even more. I had I had more than what I needed through that job. And so I, I'm I'm beginning to work and I'm coming off to the last couple of weeks before I have to leave. So I needed a new car, bought a new car and was really going to use that last two weeks for the trip to Arizona before to see my family before I went to Washington. You left the job at Carabas and then you joined Amazon when you were in Texas, right? Correct. Then you were ready to go to the internship in Washington, but you had a gap and you were going to go back home for a couple of weeks to visit your family, right? Yes. Okay. I had this game plan of what I'm going to do. And so um, going to work and spending time with the Lord while I was at work and God spoke to me and said something that really <laughs> threw me for a curveball. Uh, but he spoke to me and said, hey, I want you to quit these next two weeks and just spend time with your friends and spend time with me. And um, who's ever heard the Lord say that to quit your job? You did. I think I'm the only person, <laughs> you know? So I hear the Lord say this and it confuses me. So again, I do what I did in the very beginning, which I went and tried to seek counsel. And so specifically went to my brother, who my oldest brother is. He is a believer, but not necessarily a follower of Christ. But he's very logical, very intelligent, very money savvy. I'm telling him, hey, this is what I'm thinking God is saying, is talking to me. I, I do like to get different perspectives on, on things. And so I'm hearing his perspective. And man, boy, did he he let me have it. Telling him what the Lord said to me. And he he said that does not sound smart. Why would God ever talk you to quit your job? You're just, you're not going to be able to make money. You're not going to be able to come out to see us and mm-hmm. really just going on and on and on. And, and, and like my other mentors really brought valid logical points. Yeah. So I get off the phone with him and I'm thinking, man, like maybe he's right. Maybe I should just, just work and continue to do what I'm doing. And I heard the Lord say this phrase that really rang in my heart. He said, Instantly, I heard the, the phrase, don't you trust me? And I, I heard it in a way of, of literally like a father saying it to his son, like, don't, don't you trust me? Mm. It hurt my heart to hear God say that to me because I do trust him. And I, I'm sitting there on the last leg of this journey, really, and thinking back to how God had provided supernaturally for school, for just random people giving me money and paying for tuition. And how could I not trust him? Yeah. And so I, I said to him, I said, Lord, like I, I do trust you and ended up having another conversation with my brother who was very curious about what I would do. And I told him, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to listen to the Lord. He, he told me to do this and I'm going to do it. And again, let me have it. Okay. Like, we'll see. We'll see if God provides is basically what he said. So I did what most people shouldn't do, but I quit my job because the Lord had really spoken to me to do it. You couldn't shake it again, could you? I couldn't. That whole time of being in school, at least from a friendship perspective, was non-existent. I, I spent most of my time working mm-hmm. and working hard. They had given me ma- managerial positions there at the restaurant. So I was staying super late, past close, mm-hmm. counting money with our managers. 
and I had had worked my tail off. Yeah. Was an Amazon working working overtime consistently working. I lost all this weight because I was just walking around working so much. In that two weeks, when I when I listened to the Lord and, and I quit my job, I had the most amazing time of rest and fun with the Lord and with my friends that I had have had that entire time. And it brought almost a renewal to my mental health, to my physical health, and to my friends. And it was an amazing time period. So it brought a lot of refreshment to my heart. And I'm about two or three days until I leave. And I'm sitting in school, just worshiping, and I'm thanking the Lord. And and in the back of my mind, I know I still need this extra money to go home, and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And never once during that time period did I bring it before the Lord in a worrying manner, but in a knowing manner of like, God, I I know you're going to take care of this. So I'm sitting in worship. I, I'm praying and I'm saying, God, like, thank you for taking care of this. I, I trust you. Yeah. And I get up and I walk back to my seat. And as I'm walking back, a friend of mine comes up to me and says, Hey, like God put on my heart to give you this money, gives me this check. And I look at it and it's about $2,000 <laughs> and I'm like freaking out because like, Oh my gosh, I get to go home. And so I'm crying. I'm freaking out. Like the, the day's almost ending. I'm rejoicing. I'm telling everyone, telling all my friends, I'm sure. walking outside. And then I get a phone call and another friend from Arizona says, Hey, I feel like God spoke to me to give you money. And then he gave me like $700. And (laughs) again, I am just shocked and in awe of what God has done. And so within a moment, I get almost three grand, which is way more than I would have made in two weeks in Amazon. And I heard the Lord say like, thank you for trusting me. And so instantly I pick up the phone and I call my brother. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And I call him and I'm just like, man, I'm going to tell him what the Lord has just done. I had this conversation with him where it wasn't in a prideful way. It wasn't in a, I've just proved you wrong, but it was in a way of look at Jesus's life. He's alive. Like, yeah. look at what, what he just did. And I had a long conversation with him about him actually seeing my life during those two and a half years of supernatural provision from the Lord. And I, I saw God just provide during that time period. And, and he, continue to do that even when I moved to Washington. Amazing provision over and over again. And this theme is so clear to me, Nathaniel, that even though you did the right thing and you sought counsel, you could not shake what you knew the Lord had spoken to your heart. And that trumps everything, doesn't it? Yes, it does. That is so instructive. What would be one of the biggest things that you would tell somebody who's struggling right now with a decision to make and trusting in the Lord? What would you say to them? I could only say what I've experienced. And, you know, just to, to fast forward just a tad, the, the church that I became a, an intern at, I now am a campus pastor at. Awesome. And I'm now living out the promises of the Lord because of obedience. And I can say one thing, it is this is that obedience produces a harvest that you cannot receive anywhere else. Say that again, please. Obedience produces a harvest that you cannot get anywhere else. And obedience is humbling. It it does require you sometimes to do things that do look foolish. You know, it, it does require you to do things sometimes that does look like you are going backwards. You know, who wants to go back to school after leading a company? Who wants to serve at a restaurant when you've been managing over 45 people? Right. You know, who who wants to be broke and 
go back to school, not do any ministry when you're in this season of prosperity and ministering to people and preaching at conferences. And during that whole time frame, I, I, I didn't preach once. And so obedience sometimes doesn't make sense, but the Lord desires us to to receive this harvest that can only be achieved by that. You know, everyone gets the mercy of the Lord. Everyone can be blessed by the Lord. Even unbelievers, according to scripture, are blessed by the Lord. But the disciples of Jesus receive a harvest that only comes from straight obedience to his word and to his commandments. And I would encourage anyone listening that in the same way that he he said this to me, I would say to you, don't, don't you trust him? Don't you trust he's going to take care of you? Don't you trust that he's going to take care of your family? You know, that he will take care of your kids and he will take care of your finances and and you are not your provider. You are not even your own shepherd. We don't navigate the courses of our life, but the contrary, our life is not our own. Our finances are not our own. You know, our callings are not even our own, but they belong to him. And I would strongly recommend that you give him back what he deserves, which is your life. And you allow him to point the direction of your life. And it's not easy, but man, it's worth it. How can people... Get in touch with you, find out more about you. People can get in touch with me through uh, Facebook, uh, through Instagram. It's just Nathaniel, N-A-T-H-A-N-I-E-L underscore Escobar. And then you can email me, which is Nathaniel at thepromisechurch.com. Would love to, to get contacted by anybody and pay us a visit at The Promise Church anytime. As we finish here, we'd love to have you pray for our listeners, Nathaniel. Absolutely. God, I just pray for those who need faith today, Lord. Father, I pray for those who are struggling with obedience. God, I pray that you remind them that you are faithful. Jesus, you have proven yourself to be a trustworthy man. So Lord, I pray that today that that fear leaves, that anxiety leaves, God, that doubt and disappointment leave in Jesus' name. God, we just pray for a mentality of surrender in the name of Jesus, a mentality of faith. A mentality, Father God, a mindset, Lord, of a cross being carried and a total dependence on you. So, Jesus, I just pray for faith to be imparted. I pray for surrender to be imparted, God. And, Lord, I just pray for peace to be imparted, God, that for those who are making any financial decisions or a family move or, God, just a move that may not make sense, but you have instructed it. I pray for the faith to be obedient, God, that they would see that you are a trustworthy God, that you can trust them and that they can trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Nathaniel. Loved your story. I appreciate you sharing it. Absolutely, Brian. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.